Hey, church. How you doing today? Glad to have you here as we are going to be celebrating our Lord today through the Lord's Supper. So I want to invite you right now, if you would like to participate in that with us, you can get some juice and a cracker, and we are going to be celebrating that together today as we continue our brand new sermon series through the book of Acts called To the End of the Earth. And of course, that is keyed off of Jesus' command to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and also going back to Matthew uh, chapter 28, when he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, and then in Acts when he says to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we've been going through the book of Acts, and we are inviting you to continue to come along on that journey with us as an encouragement for us today to heed the call of Christ and do the same, to go where the Lord has placed us, where the Lord sends us, that we would be his instruments of preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth and right where we are situated. So today we're actually not going to be in the book of Acts, would encourage you to get your Bibles because we always, of course, want you to be in the Word, following along and studying for yourselves, growing in your knowledge and understanding of the truth. And today we are going to be in the first book that Luke wrote. Remember that the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are actually two halves of an entire volume that Luke wrote to Theophilus and giving an account of the early church. So today, we're actually going to be in the book of Luke. Because while the Lord sent out his disciples in Acts to the ends of the earth, this wasn't the first time that he had sent them. And it's important for us to go back and look at that first sending because the Lord was using that as a training ground. The Lord was using that to prepare them for the work that they would now undertake through the power of the Holy Spirit who was about to fall upon them in Acts chapter 2, which we'll be studying very shortly. So today we're actually going to turn back to the Gospel of Luke and we're going to be studying chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. But before we do that, I'm going to pray and would invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are with us wherever we go, that you move before us to prepare hearts, and you have given us your spirit that we would be able to operate in your power as we speak your truth, your word, your gospel. Lord, I pray right now that you would be in our midst, that you would help us to focus and pay attention and set aside distraction. Lord, I yield myself to you that you would speak through me. And I pray, Lord, that all of our hearts would be encouraged and we would be spurred on to be bold instruments in your hands, just like your early disciples were. 
Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72, or in some translations, 70. He appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near." I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now we're going to break this section up, now this little 12 verses of Scripture, into three sections. We're going to look at the preparation of the ones who are sent. We're going to look at the importance of the person of peace. And then finally, passing judgment and having the proper perspective as we go. Now, again, it's very important that we recognize the importance of this moment and actually earlier in Luke chapter 9 when the Lord sent His apostles out in verses, nine, um, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 9. He was now in this section not just sending the apostles, the twelve, the sent ones. He was sending out his broader, his larger group of disciples, the 70 or 72, depending on which ancient manuscripts you reference. And so, this is critical because this was the first instruction, the first training that his disciples received in what they were to be expected to do for the rest of their lives. And so we look at verses 1 through 4 and we learn the points of preparation, the mindset that they were to have, the, the way they were to prepare and go as they were sent out. And the first thing that I want us to see, and this is so deep and rich, but I'm just going to cherry pick a couple of things, is that they went out two by two. 
Now, apart from fulfilling the Old Testament requirement to have two witnesses give an account, this also allowed for the apostles to rely on each other, the disciples to rely on each other and each other's gifts, and to not be alone. As the Lord sends us out into the world, you can be sure that He will put other people there to labor with you. And if you are trying to do a work by yourself, alone, I can tell you right now that you are setting yourself up for difficulty. Now, the Lord can call you and certainly has called people. We will see in Acts chapter 8 when Philip is called by himself to go to the Ethiopian eunuch. So, there are, of course, circumstances where the Lord will call people to work individually, but as He has given us His Spirit and as He calls us to go very regularly, He will send us with a partner. Now, that partner may be your spouse, may be your best friend, may be a co-worker, may be a classmate, but the Lord often will pair you with someone else. And it is critical that we be looking for that person, perhaps to disciple them or to be discipled by them, to work together as Paul went with Barnabas and then later with Silas. That is a principle of our going is that the Lord will often bring someone to work with you. So, part of the preparation is, Lord, who do I get to do this work with? That's often one of the signs and ways the Lord prepares us. But secondly, I want us to recognize in verse 2 that the Lord says the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and so we should pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. See, we need to go out. Our preparation in going out must include prayer. We have to root the work, bathe the work that we are going to do, that we feel called to engage in, in prayer, and then expect the Lord to move. Church, I think one of the greatest hindrances to our engaging in the work of ministry where the Lord has called us to go is that too many of us have low expectations of our God. Too many of us don't think that the Lord will do anything with our boldness, with our persistence. Too many of us don't act because, well, we expect small things from our God. But that is not what Jesus says here. He says the harvest is plentiful. And so if you are willing to be one of those laborers who goes out, then as you pray and ask the Lord to bring in the harvest, church, we need to expect the Lord to move because He will. He will, church. So as we prepare, we pray and we expect God to answer in mighty ways, even with people who we would never think might heed the call and come to Christ. Give everyone a chance. Share the truth with anyone the Lord brings across, boldly, persistently. 
And that moves us on to the third point. In verse 3, he says, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Church, Jesus is making no bones about this. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to go. Now, maybe not physically so in our culture, at least not yet, but certainly it's very dangerous perhaps to our reputations, perhaps to our positions and influence in our jobs and in our communities, certainly to our family members who may ridicule us or may not want anything to do with us as we share. Church, if we are going to prepare to go out, we have to recognize the cost and then fearlessly engage trusting in our God. He says that he is sending us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And like a lamb, we listen to the voice of our shepherd. We trust in our shepherd who can certainly keep the wolves at bay, but we humbly follow him wherever he leads us. And so part of the way we come against the threats is to ask the Lord for a spirit of humility, that we might trust him, that we might not fear. And as Jesus says in the kind of parallel account in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says that he is sending us out that we might be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And so not only are we to be humble and gentle, but we are also to be wise. We are to be shrewd. We are to have discernment. And we are to not throw ourselves into dangerous situations, but we are to know when the Spirit is calling us to engage and when the Spirit is calling us to move on. And as we see at the end of this passage, we are certainly at times called to move on. So part of our preparation must be that we are fearlessly, humbly, wisely going where the Lord calls us to go, where our shepherd calls his sheep to minister. But he says in the beginning of verse 3, go your way, or in the Greek, as you are going and as you continue to go. This isn't just a, a one-time job. We need to have the mindset that wherever we go, at any time, at any place, the Lord might give us an opportunity to share. The Lord might bring someone along who we can impart truth to, who we can be an example of what a godly man or woman is, what a godly son, a godly child, a godly daughter, a godly mother a godly father. These examples may come at any time when you don't know who is watching, and so we are to constantly be thinking about how I can be spreading the kingdom of God in this scenario, in this situation, in this context. And I think, church, that many of us don't think that way. We kind of grow accustomed to the place that we are rooted in our neighborhood, perhaps, in our jobs, perhaps. Many of us have lost the urgency of the call to go, the command to go. 
We have lost the desire to share with someone who maybe we've shared before, who had, who had a bad experience with, a bad exchange with, or those neighbors who I just don't know very well. Church, we don't get to make those excuses. They don't work with our king, with the one who has sent us out on ahead of him to prepare the way We are called to go before him just as these disciples were to meet the people that he has already prepared so that at the movement of the Spirit and at the word of truth being spoken like Romans uh, chapter 10 says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, we can see the Lord meet them right where they are, but that requires us to be going and constantly looking for those opportunities as part of the preparation so that we can be used right where we are planted. And then he says in verse 4, perhaps one of the most difficult parts of the preparation, he says, Rely on the provision of God alone and not on the world or on yourself. That's a tough one, church. But this is how the Lord sent them out. And they saw the Lord move. They saw the Lord provide. They saw that the things of this world have no weight, have no value compared to the glory and the privilege of serving our King and seeing His name magnified. Too many of us, church, are shackled by the things of this world or by our own desire and need to control And it holds us back. It holds us back from walking in the power of the Spirit of God, seeing Him move. And this is why Jesus said, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and don't greet no one on the road. It's basically, in the ancient Near East, they had long formal greetings that were a waste of time. He said, don't get caught up in meaningless stuff. Don't rely on the world. Trust me as you go. And by God's grace, church, we can learn to do that as we put ourselves out there in situations that make us uncomfortable, as we commit to lend our gifts and our time, our talents, our, our, our abilities the Lord has gifted us with in ways that we are outside of our comfort zone. That's part of the preparation that we can't get sidetracked with the meaningless things around us like these greetings. We stay focused on the task. All of this is part of the preparation. All of this is part of the mindset that we are to have that the Lord trained his disciples in and then he sent them out in Acts chapter one and they saw the fruit of that preparation. And so church, This is why we're going back to this chapter. We need to evaluate our lives. We need to ask ourselves, where here am I falling short? And get on our knees and ask the Lord to move and to prepare and to help us to grow so that we can be effective sent ones, that we can be effective tools in his hand, ministers of his grace and mercy and peace. 
And that is where the text goes next. The next section is that we are called to seek out the son of peace or the person of peace, the one upon whom the Lord has already prepared to receive the gospel. Praise God that this doesn't depend on us. The Lord has already prepared the way, but he uses us to accomplish his work. And so he sends us out to find the people who he has already prepared so that when they hear the truth, their hearts receive it. They receive peace. Peace be to this house. They share the gospel. They hear it. They consider it. They they wrestle with it. They ask questions about it. And they accept it. And another son of peace, a daughter of peace, comes into the kingdom, praise God. But notice the boldness of the ones who were sent. They spoke the word. They shared the message of peace. They shared the gospel that Messiah had come, that the kingdom of God is near. And it is still near today, church, because the Spirit of God is within us. And our King has risen from the dead and reigns at the right hand of the Father. His kingdom is growing right here and right now. Yes, it will come in its fullness when our Lord returns turns, praise God, let that day come. But now we can be bearers of the kingdom message of peace, the same peace that our Lord has given us. Remember in the gospel of John at chapter 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart Be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we submit to Christ, we have peace with our Heavenly Father. There is no more animosity. There is peace. There is joinder. There is family adoption. And we can share that peace to put to rest the restless hearts of those around us to stop the anxiety and the fear that the enemy seeks to choke people with. And so church, as we go, we should be looking for the people that the Lord has prepared. What does that look like? It's someone who is willing to engage in a spiritual conversation. It's someone who is willing to allow you to pray for them. It's someone who is willing to come along with you to a growth group and to check it out and to see what this whole spiritual thing is all about. It's someone who is asking you questions, maybe even trying to trip you up, but they're willing to engage in that dialogue and the Lord is maybe doing something within their hearts. It's someone who is broken and destitute And at the end of their rope, who is struggling and looking for an answer. Church, it's these people, when the Lord brings them along, and sometimes he makes it very obvious, and sometimes they're there just waiting to be found. If we would go and we would engage and we'd be intentional about inviting our neighbors and building relationship with our coworkers and with our family members and friends, Church, they're there. They're prepared. The harvest is plentiful. But we need to go. We need to go. We need to find 
the person of peace. And when we find them, we don't just pray a singular prayer with them and leave them alone and say, hey, congratulations, you're saved to move on. We build relationship. We stay at their house. We accept their hospitality. We don't look for something better. We don't go from house to house. We are rooted there. And as we see the Lord mature them and refine them and do a work in them and see fruit in keeping with repentance emerge in their life. We disciple them and and we invite them deeper into the kingdom of God to, to root in the community of faith, the church, to be part of the family of Christ that they might be encouraged and spurred on to growth. That's the way it's supposed to work. We seek out the person of peace and we expect the Lord to do mighty things in that process, maybe even miraculous things. But again, that all comes back to bold expectation and prayer and seeing what the Lord's going to do as he moves in mighty ways to draw his children to him. But sometimes people, actually, many times, people aren't going to accept the message of peace. They don't want anything to do with the Prince of Peace. They don't want God's kingdom. They want their kingdom. At least, perhaps, when you go and speak to them. Now, sometimes we're planting seeds. We don't know. Sometimes we've come across a hardened heart that has completely and utterly rejected God. And church, we need to recognize those moments and have discernment so that like these disciples, we can move on. But even in moving on, we don't neglect to let them know that the kingdom of God has come, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through him. That there is salvation in no other name under heaven but the name of Christ. And if they show themselves hostile to the gospel church, it is okay to proverbially wipe the dust off of your feet and move on. In fact, you should. Because the enemy will try to trap you and to waste your time with meaningless arguments and debates, we have to have discernment not to get trapped in that. Because you can be sure when one of those persons is around, it's quite likely that there is another person of peace around that the Lord is wanting you to go to, but the enemy is seeking to prevent you from getting there. Maybe there's someone at your workplace who is super hostile to the gospel, and so you never share the gospel. Don't fall for it, church. Be bold. Someone in your neighborhood who you know is against Jesus Christ and his people. Church, don't be afraid to talk to your other neighbors regardless of what they may say. Someone in your family, etc., etc. You get the point. Church, we have to ask for the Lord's discernment and minister to every person that we come across, but only 
The ones who the Lord has prepared, who we discern are a person of peace, those are the ones we pour into, those are the ones we engage with, and, and we don't shrink back from the reality of judgment. The good news is so good because the bad news is really bad. And if someone is choosing to remain separated from Almighty God, then, church, it's important that we let them know that with love and grace and as much mercy as we can muster, not with anger or defensiveness as they may be slinging arrows against us, but with the same compassion that our Lord did as he wept over the city of Jerusalem. Let people know the judgment in which they stand, that the Lord may even use that to move them, either then or hopefully later. Because as we boldly go and do this, as we are sent out and we walk in the preparation and we walk in the boldness and we seek out those persons of peace, the Lord will move. Praise God. Later on in the chapter, when the 72 return, they rejoiced, verses 17 through 20, because they saw the Lord move. They saw miraculous works done. And Jesus said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Church, one of the greatest joys of being an instrument and vessel of our King is confirmation of our own standing before our Lord. That he is using us and giving us the privilege to be one of his sent ones should strengthen our faith and make us unshakable in the hope and the confidence that we have because of what our King has done. And so I would invite you right now to take out the cracker and juice that you have and we're going to spend time rejoicing in our eternal hope in Jesus Christ, remembering what He has already accomplished for us on the cross so that we can confidently look forward to the day when He will return and make all things new, gather all of His children to Himself. The Lord has given us His authority to go. Matthew 28, and earlier in Luke chapter 9, when he sends the apostles out in his authority, there's some examples of that. But the Lord has given us his authority. We can expect great things. Why? Why can we be confident? Because of the finished work on the cross. Because Jesus lived a perfect life, sinless, and completely in keeping with the law of our heavenly Father. He was an acceptable sacrifice that his body might be broken for us, that his blood might be shed for us, and it was good. It was received, and we know it was good because he rose to life on the third day. Praise God. So when he sends us out in authority, he sends us out in victory. He sends us out with the promise of completed Grace 
and mercy to save not only us, but those persons of peace who he is calling to receive truth. So church, as we pull back, if you have one of these cups, or you take out the cracker, we remember what our king has done. We remember that his body was broken for us. And that, that brokenness, that punishment that he endured in our place was received and was acceptable punishment for our sins. Praise God. Let's eat together. Father God, we thank you for the brokenness of Christ, that his punishment on that cross was in our place, and that though he was punished, that punishment has been fully and completely dealt with, and we know that we will not face any eternal damnation because of you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise you for that. And we remember and we rejoice in your victory. But his body was not broken alone. His blood was also shed. And the shedding of blood was necessary that not only our punishment would be taken and justice done, but the shedding of Christ's blood was necessary for the washing of our sins, the cleansing of our sins, the cleansing of our spirits and souls before Almighty Father, making us have right standing with Him, covered in the blood of Christ. And so not only do we walk free of eternal punishment, but we walk free of our sin completely. Sin has no power over us. We are not condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of the shed blood of Christ that was poured out for us on the cross as he died for us that we might have life. And so we rejoice in that together as we drink. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you. We give you glory. And we honor you, Lord, as the victorious one. You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone deserve all glory and honor. Lord, it is your power and your might that we rejoice in and we confidently look forward to the day when we get to experience the fullness of your kingdom as we reign with you in glory. But Lord, we praise you now for your victorious sacrifice on the cross that our sins are forgiven through your shed blood, and that we can walk in your authority, walk in your power, as we seek out those persons of peace that you have prepared, as we go boldly, without fear, trusting in you, expecting to see you move, working side by side with our partners in ministry, not relying on the things of this world or on ourselves, but relying solely on you, God constantly 
looking to see the opportunities you place before us right where we are. Lord, help us to do these things just as you helped your disciples to do them. Lord, give us the boldness to go forth and to put ourselves out on a limb outside of our comfort zone. Lord, that your kingdom would grow and that your name would be glorified. We pray all of this in the mighty name of our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for being here with us today, church. Let's go and find the sons and daughters of peace in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Be blessed, church.